Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is a podcast of Desert Spring United Methodist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Wednesday Word is a midweek refresh and discussion of Pastor David's Wednesday devotionals. The Pastor David's Wednesday devotionals are related to the Sunday sermon in some way. They could be an expansion on a theme or a different twist, but always will be related to Sunday sermon. If you missed Sunday sermon and you want to check that out, please go to Desert Springs website at desertspringchurch.com. Our format is to read Pastor David's devotional for today and then stop along the way in order to hear stories and discuss our struggles and triumphs in our faith journeys. And we'd love to get your take on today's discussion. If you're watching or listening where you can leave a comment, please do so. And you can share this with friends. Today's guests are Sarah Pay and Karen Williver, along with Chris Devereaux. I'm Ann Hardy. I'm the director, outreach director at Desert Spring Church. Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Sarah Pay. I am one of the um, youth directors here at Desert Spring. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Karen? I'm the treasurer of, at uh, Desert Spring Church, and I'm also the Stephen leader here at Desert Spring. Yeah, thank you for doing that. It's an important ministry. And Chris? Yeah, I'm Chris Devereaux. I'm the sound engineer for you today. All right. Thanks for your help. All right. So let's uh, move on to Pastor David's devotional for October 13th. Uh, he starts with two Bible verses. The first is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13a, you are the salt of the earth. One of the reasons I chose to be a Methodist is what I call praxis. By praxis, I mean the emphasis on personal holiness and social holiness. This does not mean that our faith is a balance of personal holiness and social holiness, as though we need a 50-50 mix of the two to be a balanced Christian. It means we need 100% of both. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship that produces good in this world. Being a Christian is more than simply believing in Jesus. When we read through the Gospels, we hear that even the demons believed in him. It is believing and following. A true faith is a lively faith. It is lived. Christian faith is believing in, trusting, and surrendering to the one we follow. Amen. Why have you chosen to be a part of a Methodist church? Think about this statement. A true faith is a lively faith. It is lived. What does this statement mean to you? So this is, I think, two questions. I think we're going to break this one down. Karen, can you tell us why you've chosen to be a part of a Methodist church? Well, I was born and raised a Methodist. I've been a Methodist my whole life. I actually tried to be a Catholic once when I was uh, in high school to follow a boy, actually. <laughs> And um, it didn't work very well for me because the priest, when I was taking lessons, told me that I had to talk to God through him. And I did not go for that very well because I always thought that I could talk to God. 
directly myself. So um, that didn't work out very well for me. So I did not become a Catholic, obviously. And I also thought about becoming a Lutheran once because I had an aunt and an uncle that were Lutheran. And they were very strict and didn't let me take communion in their church because I was, you know, a member of their church. So I've actually stayed a Methodist my whole life, and I've loved being a Methodist. And I've always loved the fact that Methodists have kept an open-door policy to everyone and all kinds of people everywhere. And so that is why I've always been a Methodist my whole life, because we've always welcomed everyone through open doors. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, Sarah, what do you think? Sure. So I haven't always been a Methodist. Um, and this question kind of strikes a chord of making choices and decisions with me in general. Because growing up, my mom would go to church every Sunday. Different churches, Lutheran, um, Foursquare, and I would go to this Methodist church. But my dad would prefer to stay home and watch football. So growing up as a child, they always decided to give me the choice. Do I want to stay home and watch football and eat <laughs> chips and dip? <laughs> Or do I want to go to church and take communion? So some days I would choose the former, others the latter. And eventually I learned the beauty of faithfulness and the beauty of God's faithfulness to us and decided to remain faithful as an adult. Mm -hmm. And was it a church that helped you realize that? Or was that your faith in God and just communing with God that led you to that revelation? A nice little healthy mix of both, as Pastor David references, you know, having that um, that personal faith, but then also seeing the collective faith come together. Um, I think both were required for me to decide um, to yeah. continue. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I don't think that I chose to be a Methodist. Um, I also was not a Methodist growing up. Um, I, I was part of another denomination. Uh, when we went, I was part of another denomination. And then as an adult, um, after I had my kids, I knew I wanted them to grow up in the church. And um, we, were, we went to the denomination I grew up in. And I just, my kids were baptized and I was confirmed and and things were going well. And then the church was, I don't know, at a t some kind of a turning point. And I wasn't really a leader in that church or anything. I was just attending. And But, but whatever the problem was kind of trickled down into, I could see that something was going on. There was some politics, I think. I don't think people generally enjoyed the leader of the church, the pastor of the church. And um, so I thought, okay, I don't want to bring my kids up in a church that's having problems. So um, I just decided to try a church that was close to us. You know, might as well start there. And so I came here. Um, and so I didn't know what Methodism was. I knew it was a mainline denomination, but I didn't, I didn't know exactly what that meant. Um, but I came to Desert Spring and people were so warm and welcoming and loving and loving of my kids and there were great children's programs that I could bring them to and um, and I think that's why I joined Desert Spring and since then of course I've learned more about what being a Methodist means um, I think our current sermon series is really helping me do that 
um, with the Wesley, you know, learning about John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Um, but I certainly did not join the denomination. I joined the church and learned the denomination through, the, through this church. Um, so I'm very thankful about this. So um, Pastor David says to think about this statement, a true faith is a lively faith. It is lived. What does that statement mean to you? Good question. I feel like that um, concept, you know, coming from scripture, a faith without works is dead. Um, or in the words of Pastor David, a true faith is a lively faith. It's interesting because we don't earn faith, but when we have faith and God gives us his grace, we want to act from that place. Um, so that's what that means to me. And it's kind of um, almost a circular argument, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> like once you, um, once you know that God's got you and his grace surrounds you, um, or at least for me, I feel inspired to move from that place of abundance um, and love and overflow. Yeah, and, I, and that's something that I found interesting in this sermon series, um, where last week we learned that John Wesley was trying to earn his faith, and so he was doing good works. But then he turned a corner and learned that God loved him for who he was, and so he wanted to do good works out of that love for God. So he started trying to earn God's love by doing works and ended by <laughs> doing good works because of God's love. So I thought that was really a kind of a neat juxtaposition um, in doing good works, a lively faith. So, um, so uh, Karen, what does uh, this statement mean to you? A true faith is a lively faith. I think that... Um it's a, a lively faith is you should show your faith all the time and that you shouldn't be embarrassed to show your faith that sometimes um, no matter where you are if you're with people that that don't that aren't Christian and that aren't believers that you shouldn't be embarrassed to show that you are a believer, that you should still show that you have a faith and you shouldn't be embarrassed to show that you have a faith, that you believe in God and that you're very, that you're very strong in believing in God as well. And like when he talked about Wesley, there's sometimes that I don't feel that I own up enough to, to earn God's love and that sometimes I don't show my faith enough and that I sometimes hide it because I'm of who I'm with and that I shouldn't be afraid to show that that I should still show my faith no matter who I'm with yeah 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 sometimes that's it's difficult to be kind of the odd man out isn't it um, but God loves you no matter if you show it or not but then that goes back to our um our scripture verse you are the salt of the earth so you should yeah. you should still light your lamp no matter where you that's are that's right light your lamp be the salt and, and you have to be courageous enough to say yes that is me sure that is me yeah absolutely yeah my husband um is 
he he works um, he manages a retail outlet at a retail store and he can't obviously walk in and start talking about his faith at, at work but he'll take the Sunday bulletin yeah into work with him and he leaves it in the break room that's great <laughs> Little subliminal messages. <laughs> yeah, it's just like here you go. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think that another great way I think to share your faith at work is when people ask you, "What are you doing this weekend?" Yeah, I'm going to church. Yeah. You want to you want to come? I, we'd, I'd love to have you. You yeah. know, and just be honest about how you spend your time on the weekend. Maybe we should suggest that for a sermon series, Christ in the Workplace. Yeah. I love it. I um yeah I think practical yeah daily (laughs) some kind of a daily evangelism class or something okay so pastor david goes on as wesley preached the gospel of grace people believed to help those who were coming to the faith wesley organized believers into small groups of 10 to 12 people who would gather together weekly for support and encouragement between these gatherings the class leader would visit members to check in One of the tools Wesley used to help people live a life of personal and social holiness was his three general rules for Christians who were choosing to be a part of the Methodist movement. Number one, do no harm. Number two, do as much good as you can. And number three, stay in love with God. Keeping these three simple rules in mind impacts how we live our lives. As I think about doing no harm, I first remember ways that I have caused some harm to others. A misspoken word, a less than thoughtful action, an opinion defended as if it were fact. The rule to do no harm leads me to confession, and confession provides discerning grace as I become more and more aware of the ways I participate in harm, which helps me learn how to avoid it. What does doing no harm mean to you? How do you believe keeping this rule will impact your daily life? Sarah? Another good question. And I've been thinking (laughs) about this one a lot. Um, Sometimes I have kind of a people pleaser attitude. And sometimes I do no harm to others. But in trying to please them so much, I incidentally harm myself. Not necessarily in, you know, an overt way, but maybe I don't get enough sleep. Maybe I don't eat lunch because I'm serving someone else. Something like like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about this one a lot. And kind of going back to your previous question, you know, operating, operating out of a place of overflow and love and grace, people, in my opinion or in my experience, don't want to be served out of obligation, but rather that overflow and that generous place of I want to help you out. So my challenge for myself with do no harm is kind of that balance of making sure I don't harm myself while seeking to serve others. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that others will be all the more blessed if I do it from a place of overflow and desire to serve Mm -hmm. rather than obligation. So that's, that's kind of my response. Yeah. Absolutely. Serving out of a, out of a passion and not obligation, I think. Right. Makes all the difference. Because I think if some, you know, if some action is done out of obligation, then it, I may resent it later. And that does create harm for both parties. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good insight. Yeah. Karen, um, what does doing no harm mean to you? How do you believe keeping this rule will impact your daily life? Sometimes it's um, 
doing no harm also is in your thought process. Sometimes you can have bad thoughts, and that's even though someone's not, you're not overtly doing harm, but you're thinking harm. You might be thinking bad thoughts about mm-hmm. someone. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying. You know, is it maybe even having uncharitable thoughts about someone. Right. Is, is that doing harm? Right. Right. Yeah. One of the things that came to my mind in this was um, the use of pronouns. Um, you know, I identify as he, him, but I include those in my Zoom specifically to, to do no harm uh, for people who aren't seen with their pronouns. I recognize that, um, you know, a lot of people go through uh, experiences that, that I particularly don't, but that I can still show an ally even if it's, um, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's not affecting me directly. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of uh, my way of doing no harm is to also kind of to, to try to do good as well. Mm-hmm. Right. But you might be seeing people too, and maybe you're not looking at people the way God looks at people mm-hmm. sometimes, you right. know. You, you know, you might be looking at someone and you're not necessarily looking at them the way through God's eyes. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, and I think these simple rules are not simple. Mm-hmm. They're right. easy to remember, <laughs> yes. but they're not simple. <laughs> simply written. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So not three simple rules. I don't. I think doing no harm is a very complex subject, and we don't necessarily know what doing harm to someone else looks like. Um, so I could be, I could say something that I think is funny that hurts somebody's feelings. Or I could be thoughtless or careless in an action and harm someone. Um, so I think I think their take in thinking about this question, you have to have some humility because doing no harm means you're thinking about not doing harm. You have to give it some thought. Um, if I'm thoughtless there's more of a chance that I'm doing harm than if I think about not doing harm and then speak from that place. Right. So to me, there's a, there's some humility involved in that. Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Pastor David goes on and says in my sermon last Sunday, I said, doing no harm means Christians are not a part of the problem. We are part of the solution. Doing no harm naturally leads to doing good. When talking about doing good, John Wesley said, doing good of every possible sort and as far as possible to all people. What does doing good of every possible sort mean to you? What are some ways you try to practice goodness to all people? There's another (laughs) big one. Karen, you want to try tackling that first? Well, You, you try to always, I guess, you try always to be kind mm-hmm. to people. You try always to be thankful for everything that you have, and you try always to be thankful for things that are going on in your life. But you always, I think, always try to be kind. And so if you're always trying to be kind in your thoughts and you try always to be kind in your actions, then you're always going to be coming from a place of good. Mm-hmm. And if you do that with all people and everyone that surrounds you, then you're always going to be leading from a place of good. 
Mm -hmm. And you're really good at that. You're a very kind person. I try. Yeah. <laughs> I don't always make it. <laughs> well, I you know, you're human, right? Right. But, but you're always a, a kind person. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, what does doing good of every possible sort mean to you? What are some ways you try to practice goodness to all people? Sure. So I immediately think of um, setting the space for the youth um, so that it's not only accessible to all people, but that it's a place where people feel comfortable and welcome and want to be there. Um, and we've had some ups and downs already with our, our youth group, which is normal. But how can I be intentional about thinking of each person, making it not only accessible, but a place that someone desires to be in? Um, and I think what Chris said about using pronouns is a really good idea, um, a good place to start. Um, but, you know, there's always room for growth. So I, you're right about the humility. We have to stay humble and have to stay learning. Um, how can we support people, especially who are growing up in their faith and learning to love in the way that God would have them? How can we be examples of that? So that's a really good question for me to be thinking about. Before we started really an online church at Desert Spring, one of my duties was to um, create welcoming spaces for our Sunday morning um, visitors and, and congregants. And I, I, I understand, you know, where you're coming from when you say you want to create a physical space that is comfortable and welcoming. And um, I love that you're aware that you, that those spaces can be created and um, lived into by the people in that space. So I congratulate you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anne. It's a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and the, the exciting thing, too, is that, you know, God's a creator. He's a creative God. And our response to, I think, being kind or being good involves creativity, thinking of new ways and different angles to try so i'll be praying for you as you think about oh thank you welcoming I, spaces online yeah and you're definitely creating those experiences online as well i mean people are praying they're you know worshiping they're having fellowship so thank you give yourself the pat on the back yes be encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you i'm i'm certainly trying um that doing good of every good of every possible sort um to me my faith, um, and it's something else that we've touched on in this sermon series, it, it can become dry and, and brittle, and, and I need a little bit of revival in my faith life. So at times in my faith life, I will have more check boxes. You know, check I went to church, check I prayed, check I you know, wrote my, you know, I gave to the church, you know, and it's, and it becomes almost like these check boxes that you have to fill out. And, um, and so I've kind of fallen into that trap of having, you know, checkbox faith, um, and, you know, trying to, I guess this kind of leads into the staying in love with God portion, which is the next, why don't we move on to that? Wesley's third rule is to stay in love with God. As I think about staying in love with God, two thoughts come to my mind. First, staying in love with God requires keeping my priorities straight. Loving God requires that God be a priority in my life. And for Christians, God is our first priority. 
Second, keeping my priorities straight means spending time with God. So staying in love with God means I attend to worship, communion, prayer, reading the Bible, giving, and more, what Wesley calls the ordinances of God. What does the phrase stay in love with God mean to you? How do you try to live it out? Karen, you want to take a stab at that one? I, you know, besides reading devotionals and going to church, I try to keep in constant contact with God. I talk to him all day long. I keep in contact. I ask him about everything. He's part of all my decisions, big and small. Um, I <laughs> Obviously, I ask him for forgiveness for a lot of things all day long, but I talk to him about everything all day long. He's like my friend. Mm -hmm. He's not just God. He's my mm -hmm. friend, and I talk to him all day. Mm -hmm. So I keep in constant contact with him. Right. And and so you're talking to him, but you're also listening for a response, I'm assuming. Is that correct? Yeah. That's great. And sometimes he answers back and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes <laughs> you got to wait for answers. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I talk to him and I listen to him all day. So do you just kind of shoot up little prayers throughout your day or do you set time apart like five minutes where you can walk and pray or how I do, mean how there's that? times that I, I sit down and actually talk and listen to him and that's at night usually and in the morning but usually all day it's just kind of a conversation mm -hmm. just pretty much a conversation that we have all day yeah that's great that's great and that's your habit right yeah that's that's a daily thing for you that's great so, uh, Sarah, what does what does it mean to stay in love uh, with God? How do you live that out? Sure. So, I love Karen's answer to you know remain in communication with God. Um, I aspire to that, um, but I also think that music is really important to me. Listening to worship music um, and having an attitude of worship too. Um, you know, how would God desire me to behave in this scenario or? act in the scenario, um, and asking those questions of God and of myself. Um, but then also stay in love with God, um, having that childlike wonder too, and noticing things as a child of God mm. and staying curious and staying hungry for what God has, mm -hmm. um, and staying hopeful, knowing that his plans for me are good. Yeah. And I can see that on your Facebook feed. It's like, here's this great thing you know that I'm seeing from Sarah's perspective you know and it's just to me it's just a flower or it's just a sunset or you know but you know Sarah's you're a poet at heart I always think of you <laughs> as being a poet mm -hmm. and so um, you know when you when you bring these things forward into your Facebook feed and into my life then I get to see you know, how these things are so special and that maybe I'm just a little too busy and passing those things by. So <laughs> I appreciate your powers of observation and that poet's heart that you have. Thank you, Anne. You're welcome. And um, uh, for me, um, staying in love with God involves staying out of my comfort zone. Um, I intentionally make myself uncomfortable um, doing this podcast is not comfortable. Um, talking about my faith 
is not comfortable. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> it's a it's a big ask, isn't it? Yes, I appreciate your <laughs> I appreciate that you're here. Um, on Wednesday nights, I pray live on Facebook. That is so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Um, I teach a class on Thursday nights um, on Zoom, a book study class. It's very uncomfortable. So, to me, I tr I intentionally try to spread my borders a little bit more and step out in faith. And I, I get to these points, you know, like those five minutes before I go on live Facebook, it's like I'm panicking and I, why am I doing this? And this is craziness. And I just have to give it. I have to give it to God. And I have to say these, it just can't be my words. I don't know what to say. I don't know, you know, I, you've got to help me in this. And, of course, he always, he always does. So uh, a true faith is a lively faith. It shows itself in action. Our actions include acts of personal holiness, worship, prayer, reading the Bible, giving, etc., and acts of social holiness, feeding the hungry, standing up against injustice, working for equality, finding ways to show kindness, etc. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13a, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. In the time of Jesus, there were no refrigerators, so people used salt to preserve their food. As Christians, Jesus tells us to be like salt. In what ways are you living your life to preserve goodness in this world? Wow. <laughs> Sarah. In what ways are you living your life to preserve goodness in the world? So in response to this question, I think of um, a moment when I was at school in August and the fires were raging in Tahoe and only a few people, only a few students were there. They were all masked up and we did a reading and I was really nervous to share a reading about a time when I was maybe 13 years old and I tried to heal my dad's eyes in the same way that Jesus does in the scriptures where mm. he spits on his hand and mixes it with dirt and then puts the salve on the gentleman's eyes. Well, I thought that would work for me too when I was a young teenager. <laughs> so I wrote a story about that. Didn't want to share it with my peers because it was vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and it was a story of faith, which is not easy always to talk about. But I felt that conviction that you would sometimes get as a Christian. It's like, come on, this is going to be worth it. So I went and stood behind the podium and read this story about being a child and trying to heal, <laughs> heal my dad's eyes in the middle of the night. I snuck into his room, spat in my hand, <laughs> mixed it with my finger, and put the salve on his eyes. And then in the morning, I was so eager to see if, you know, if anything happened, if anything changed. So I don't know if I even slept. Went in, you know, to his den. Dad, how are your eyes? About the same, honey. You know, just one of those responses. And I was crushed. Aww. So I, I tell that story. And the cool thing, though, about telling stories of faith, well, I realized that I forgot the dirt which was part of the equation, <laughs> but <laughs> so I got to try it again. Just kidding. But, um, <laughs> but was that in the crowd, the small crowd of students, you could see on their faces who was a person of peace, who wanted to talk more about Jesus, who wanted to talk more about faith. You know, there, there may have been tears, there may have been wide eyes, but telling stories and telling stories of how God shows up, even when my plans don't, and how my relationship with my dad is still a good one, even though he still can't see. You know, telling stories like that really helps me identify in others who's willing to talk mm. about faith.
Karen, in what ways are you living your life to preserve goodness in this world? I think um, being a Stephen. Yeah. Yes. Really being a Stephen and trying to um, help people that are in trouble and helping people that um, are going through a problem at time in their lives and trying to bring them closer to God and bringing them closer to their faith. And, and being a leader, leader, being the Stephen leader, I think that that is hopefully my way of giving in this world. Mm -hmm. I hope to do more, actually, than just being a Stephen. Mm -hmm. But I think that's part of my way of giving is mm -hmm. helping people that... Can you give us two sentences for people who don't know what Stephen ministry is? Just explain real quickly what that is. Stephen ministers um, walk with people in a troubled time in their life and help to guide them, um, bring them back to faith, mm -hmm. and um, bring them and guide them through whatever problem they may be having in their life, yeah. no matter what it may be. Yeah, so just walking with people through their difficult times, yeah. just being present. Being present, listening to them, yeah. and help just walking yeah. with them through their time, and yeah. through their troubled time in their lives. Right. And so if, if one of our listeners um, would like to um, get in touch with you about um, maybe being a care receiver, mm -hmm. how can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can uh, email Stephen Ministry at DesertSpringChurch.com, or they can contact me at my uh, cell phone number, 702-235-3121. Thank you. Thank you. That's very generous of you. Okay, so God bless you, and I will see you in church, says Pastor David. Thank you for spending your time with us. Don't forget to let us know your thoughts and your stories of how God is working in your life. I'd like to thank our guests, Sarah and Karen, and I'd also like to thank Chris for being here and producing this for us. If you're watching the video of this podcast, please know our audio podcast is available to you through SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. You can find the devotional in text form along with links to everything else on the website, desertspringchurch.com and our social media. Let's say a quick prayer in closing, please. Thank you, loving God, for people who walk with you and who have the courage to tell their stories. Thank you that we have people who will walk with us during our difficult times and who make us laugh and who bring you into our lives. We thank you for Pastor David, who writes and delivers wonderful sermons and devotionals. Thank you for everyone who's listening and to our guests um, who have shared their faith stories with us. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Remember, God loves you. Bye-bye.